Welcome to <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today will be our deep dive into part two of the pilot episode of Twin Peaks. Yes. <laughs> and again, we're joined by our very special guest. <laughs> oh, Did you no. forget my name just now? <laughs> I want to call you Josh Hayward. <laughs> oh wow so, wait am i part of the twin peaks universe now <laughs> oh my god my oh. brain we're keeping this wow. in because this is typical wow. my podcast wow. okay. josh waller <laughs> maya's what best an introduction maya's best friend that she forgot the name of <laughs> i swear to god all i could think of was hayward it was like no no <laughs> I feel like it's always part two when our brains start to get a little fried. I know. But the, that makes it more fun. <laughs> they really get a, oh God. a look into the inner workings of my mind <laughs> and how badly it works. Yeah, I'm very familiar with it. <laughs> Taking a couple of trips through. <laughs> At least it's slightly hilarious. <laughs> Let's just be glad that we don't have to say a sentence sensibility this episode. <laughs> don't make me. <laughs> Okay, well, um, let's start off the proper way we should have last time with our favorite scenes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> All right. You can go first. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. All right. My favorite scene will be the it'll be the closing scene. Oh. Um, when um, I think it's Sarah Palmer's in the living room and she's laying on the couch, and mm. we remember where they buried half the necklace mm -hmm. of Laura's necklace in the ground under this rock. And then, um, I don't, is there a light that flashes? I cannot remember. I mean, I just watched it. Um, something happens and, hand and you see a hand, a gloved hand reach down. And as soon as it touches the rock, she freaks out and stands up and is screaming. And it's an ominous person taking this necklace. Mm -hmm. We don't know who it is, mm -hmm. but it just gave me if full body chills, like gross. I it was like, I, ugh. yeah, I hated it, but yeah, I loved it's it. very effective. <laughs> I hated it, but it was my favorite scene. <laughs> What's your favorite scene, Josh? Oh, um, my favorite is the whole interaction where Leland is on the phone with Sarah and Sheriff Truman is coming in to tell him oh, that yeah, Laura's yeah. dead. And it's such an amazing shot because you've got Sarah in a whole other location. Leland's getting the call and you see Sheriff Truman pull up behind him through the window mm -hmm. and you as an audience member, you know what's about to happen and uh, he has yeah. no clue and uh, it's just so, yeah. such and, like, a as great as shot. Him, yeah, he feels it and Sarah, ugh. Ugh. It's like you know it's happening. Yeah. So good. Anticipation. You really get all of the pathos in that one. Well, my favorite scene is actually um, when Sheriff Truman and Doc Hayward and Andy arrive to see who is wrapped in plastic on the beach mm. and find Laura's body because I feel like it's just so masterfully done with the like the nice edge of humor and tragedy <laughs> mm -hmm. and like you're laughing and then you're sad and you're laughing and you're sad and it's all rolled up into one crazy mixed up emotion and yeah I love that scene yeah it's a goodie <laughs> that was my number two Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have to mention my backup scene. Oh, yeah. Which was uh, when we first get introduced to the receptionist. Oh, Lucy. <laughs> and she's trying to transfer that call. To, it's not the not the, black, the brown phone, the black phone by the red chair that we moved with the plant. Yes. And it's just this funny scene. I love her. Oh, she's the best. I love her, too. 
Um, okay, well, let's get into some notes then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Second half of notes. Yeah, um, I don't know what we're going to do for notes in the future of episodes, but we'll see what happens. Um, okay. So, when they made the pilot, um, ABC had decided because of some international rights that they needed to do um, an extra ending so that it could be a full two-hour movie and they could just sell it as a movie just in case it never got picked up or just for the like international Hmm. audiences um yeah um and let's see yeah so that's the version i'm most familiar with by the way (laughs) um or i was for a big chunk of my twin peaks watching time so just to bounce back to that, you so your introduction to it, other than seeing it on TV when you were young, was you bought... So they sold the series not including the pilot at all or any yeah. version of it? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So you... <laughs> so how... <sighs> so I had to watch the... Pi- I had to buy the pilot separately, and it had... But could you buy that in America, or was that... Yeah, you could. Oh, that okay. was the only thing you could buy in America. Or the only way you could get the pilot was... This, this international, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what a crazy and, world. Yeah, it's crazy because a lot of what's in the second part, um, which will someday we should definitely do the international pilot, you uh-huh. know, maybe once we're done with like um, the first season because a lot of what's in the pilot, the extra is actually in the series at, uh-huh. another, at a later point. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, some of it's not, but um, a lot of it is. Okay, let's see. Where was I? Um. So Bob Iger was the president of ABC at the time. Oh. Um, isn't he head of Disney now? Yeah. yeah. Um, he liked the pilot, but it wasn't really very popular among the rest of the executives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Bob Iger decided to show it to a younger, more diverse group, and they really liked it. So that's what got them the ne- next seven episodes, the order for the next seven episodes. Um, it was originally shown in September of 1989 at the Telluride Film Festival. And in the same month, Connoisseur Magazine ran a cover calling Twin Peaks the series that will change TV forever. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Before it was even, like, out on regular. It was just premiered. Um, February of 1990. um, I just have a quote. I don't... Oh, Sun Sentinel Report. This is from the Sun Sentinel Report, (laughs) I think. Okay, it says, The Lynchian sense of impending danger and kinky sexual undercurrents, coupled with the excellent music, makes the Twin Peaks pilot work almost too well. You'll want to see the entire package in one sitting, but the series may lay an egg on television because (laughs) of its drawn-out and deliberate pacing, brutality, sex with violence, and a hint of something else, something deadly, yet unseen and probably repulsive. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what um that was a quote from 1990 um robert hulbert in the sun sentinel and then in april paul shulman said i don't think it has a chance of succeeding it is not commercial <laughs> it is radically different from what we as viewers are accustomed to seeing there's no one in the show to root for which is so not true that's dude you don't know true. what you're talking about <laughs> Just bad taste. But, I mean, this is just an indication of, like, even at the time, before it had even come out, people were like, this is going to change television. Mm -hmm. So polarizing. And honestly, looking back on it, it's like, I can see the DNA of so So many many shows. Like, would we have the killing? Would we have any sort of police procedural in that way? Or, like, that wasn't 
you know, following one murder. Yeah, it was, the pilot was the highest rated movie for the 1989-90 season and was viewed by 34.6 million people. Wow. In Los Angeles, it was the seventh most watched show of the week. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care for it that much. I no. think it was say it was good, but um, I was, mm-hmm. highest rated and most watched, I think, are different things. Let's gotcha. say, well, like, what else was on during the early 90s? Because it might have been, like, a big collective of, like, really popular Yeah, I think shows. something, I, I do think that there was something I didn't write down that was, like, this particular show happened to come out at this particular time. Of the week. In Los Angeles. <laughs> in Los Angeles. <laughs> So, okay, the pilot was nominated for six Emmys, including Outstanding Directing in a Drama for Lynch, Lead Actor for Kyle MacLachlan, and Outstanding Writing for Mark Frost and David Lynch. It won two awards, one for Patricia Norris, who was a frequent Lynch collaborator for costume design, mm, okay. and one for Dwayne Dunham for editing, which I feel okay. like we've heard that name before. I'll have to go yeah. back and check. but sounds familiar. Uh, the pilot also received a Peabody Award in 1990. Wow. Yeah, that seems pretty good. I'm surprised <laughs> that no other actors got nominated. That yeah. That first go round. Well, uh, well, it was for the pilot, right? Yeah, that was. I, I think the pilot was the only one in that uh, particular. Uh, I feel yeah. like yeah, and it, you know the only I feel like the only standout from the pilot is Kyle MacLachlan. Really, like wow. that really makes an impression. Yeah, he does make quite the impression. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. Um, in 1997, TV Guide ranked the pilot as 25 on its list of 100 greatest episodes of television. Mm. That's wow. pretty good. Although it should be higher. <laughs> <laughs> um, the pilot was not released in the U.S. Oh, I said that. Home video market until 2007. Wow. Um, yeah, the European pilot was all you could get. Oh, and there was also the European pilot on Laserdisc as well. Laserdisc. Yeah. I never had a Laserdisc. <laughs> nope. The name, um, okay, so the name of the hospital in Twin Peaks is called Calhoun Memorial, mm-hmm. and Calhoun was the name of Mark Frost's maternal grandmother, who would tell him stories about a girl named Hazel Drew, who is twenty a twenty year old governess whose body washed ashore in July nineteen oh eight. I'm not sure where, um, but her still Drew's still unsolved murder was an inspiration for Laura Palmer. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Um, and the population of Twin Peaks is um, 51,201. By request of ABC, it was originally 5,120. But network executives felt that a town with a population that small was not relatable. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was beautiful to watch, but there weren't enough people living in that town, and I just can't stand to watch it again. I don't believe a town with so few people could be that interesting. <laughs> Say, what part of this show is relatable <laughs> to anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Crying when seeing a dead body. That was relatable to me. <laughs> Probably the only part. Andy. Yeah. Um, and then I also included... Um, all- I don't know when they made these. I don't know who it was for a, um, like a re-airing, but they did these um, Log Lady intros. <clears throat> right. We watched that this time. Yeah. So I thought I'd just include a little bit of what it was saying. Um, she introduces herself as Margaret Lanterman. I like that name. Lanterman. Lanterman. She says, there are many stories in Twin Peaks. Uh, some are violent. Some are funny. Some are sad. Some are ordinary. They all have mystery. Life death the woods the woods surrounding twin peaks and 
um, encompasses. Oh, it says it encompasses the all mm-hmm. beyond the fire, though very few would know the meaning. Is what Ugh. she says. <laughs> it was so ominous and yeah, um, it seems very like you're saying a lot in this little bit. Mm-hmm. But she also says it's the story of the mini, but begins as one, and I knew her. The one leading to the mini is Laura Palmer. Laura is the one. Ugh, I feel like it sets the tone. I feel like you need to watch it before yeah. you just dive into the episode. Yeah, if you're just watching it on um, Netflix, you probably won't get to see that. But mm. if you ever get um, access to the DVDs, DVD. definitely watch the Log Lady intros. Yeah, <laughs> sets the tone. Yeah. And now into the recap. Woohoo! Part two. <laughs> We just had Donna get the note about from um, James about meeting her. At the roadhouse. Yeah. So Cooper and Harry are getting ready for questioning. Um, Cooper breaks into Laura's diary. And her last um, diary entry said, I hate asparagus. Does this mean I'll never grow up? <laughs> <laughs> There's the relatable content. <laughs> yeah, it's very relatable. Even today, sometimes I'm like, ugh. I know I can make myself like peas if I really try. (laughs) (laughs) My thoughts, exactly. Mm, So good. Peas. Um, It also says that she's nervous about meeting Jay, and we've already met several freaky Jays. Jays. And they find an envelope with cocaine remnants. I I like how he's like, and seven days earlier... It's the first entry. I was like, she just started this journal? Is there a first one? She God. Yeah. Well, there's several diaries. Oh, we'll find out later. But um, yeah, they found it's got remnants of cocaine and a safety deposit key in this envelope in her diary. And yeah, so then um, there's also a small box of chocolate bunnies on the table <laughs> that may come back. Much, 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 much later. <laughs> you, say, you never know what's going to come back. Everything must be accounted for. So then we see Andy calling Lucy, and they found where it happened. Ugh. And he says, tell Harry I didn't cry. <laughs> As he Andy. starts crying. Starts. He's in the uh, whole gone. <laughs> I feel like, like he's just been continuously crying. Yeah. <laughs> But it's always like when you're like, I'm not crying when you really start crying. <laughs> so um, they're questioning Bobby. His lawyer is like warning him to be polite, which is extremely hard for him. <laughs> uh, he actually yells at one point and Cooper just smiles. <laughs> <laughs> and he shows him the video of Donna and Laura having a picnic. And he says that Laura was seeing someone else and she says she was clearly very happy in this video where he was not. <laughs> yeah. And he writes a little message for Harry on his little, I don't even know what it is. I thought it was a calculator when I was a kid, but then I realized now that those are letters. So it's some sort of a message device. Is it like a, a like an early like version of a... pre-text where you can't send the text. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like an <laughs> early version of a Palm Pilot, maybe? Yeah, oh, something like Palm that. Palm Pilot. Yeah, he writes a message to saying basically that he didn't do it. He asks Bobby who Jay is. And Bobby doesn't really seem to believe that there could be someone else. 
Which is like, okay. <sighs> but then Cooper goes, you didn't love her anyway. Bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can see the shock on his face. Yeah. Put him in his place. Cooper. Which was satisfying for me. Well, he's, Bobby tries to act so tough and I'm like, you almost have a middle part in your hair. Like, there's nothing <laughs> tough about you. You got a leather jacket, but you're pretty lanky, buddy. Yes. <laughs> it just reminds me of, like, he should be a character on, like, Boy Meets World on Disney Channel. <laughs> <laughs> he has the look. Oh, He'd be, like, God. a bully. Yeah, he's definitely got kind of that 90s grunge look with, like, the... the Flannel tied around your waist with a leather jacket. A little bit of dirty jeans. (laughs) So, okay. So then the next scene is we see Audrey sticking a pencil into a styrofoam cup. I love this scene, too. Me, too. (laughs) And um, Julie, the receptionist, is saying, you wouldn't pull it out. And, of course, that's the exact wrong thing to say to Audrey Horn. (laughs) So she, of course, immediately does. (laughs) And laughs. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what's so funny, I mean, I couldn't help but laugh because, like, the receptionist grabs the cup and instead of plugging the hole, she's just, like, trying to grab paper so mop it up as she's, like, spreading it around her desk. (laughs) She's grabbing, like, important papers to, like, mop up. I was like, girl, what are you doing? A mess. She's obviously already distracted. Um, But uh, Audrey uses this particular distraction to sneak in and scare off the Norwegians by <laughs> telling them about the horrific murder. Uh. And they're like, is there something wrong, young pretty girl? <laughs> <laughs> Tell- <laughs> telling them terrible news, trying to scare them away, but also trying to turn them on at the same time. Yeah. I would say she's just like <laughs> turning and writhing on the wall. <laughs> and she's so pleased with herself. Uh. Um, she and Bobby really should have been a couple. Yeah. So they we never seem... really, we'll have to see. I don't know if they interact very much at all yeah, in the series. I feel like she's t- like too smart for to be even around to him. You're probably right about <laughs> that. <laughs> so back at the police station, Bobby and Mike um, are talking about this mystery biker. And Lucy is doing some secret detecting. (laughs) (laughs) Not so secret. (laughs) She wasn't that slick because she stopped typing and kind of gave herself away. And then Bobby is super rude to his dad. (laughs) On brand. On brand. Well, it's like this scene always like maybe feel like I kind of like was like, what? Because his dad's like super military and I would assume that their household would be very like, you know, like no bullshit kind of military yeah. household but his dad seems like a pushover well you know we get to learn a lot more about him too that's true major Briggs. never know anybody in this show it's true <laughs> i think maybe they were trying to set up that though dynamic of like the rebellious son and the like buttoned up military mm-hmm. but yeah once we start exploring their characters things are not what they seem always in twin peaks <laughs> <laughs> never so then um we see donna being questioned um, they want to know who took the video and she's like, a woman hiker with a backpack <laughs> and she's very, very upset, but she's not, she won't stop protecting James at this point. Although we don't quite know it was James, but you know, we'll find out we've all seen after. it at this point. Um, so she leaves and Lucy and Harry come in and she explains how she was typing out what Mike and Bobby were saying, but she doesn't even have to say what they were saying. Cause Cooper already knows that they're looking for a biker <laughs> Because you can see the reflection of the bike in Laura's eye. Super sleuth. Now, do you, I'm, I guess Bobby saw that, too. Do we have to assume Cooper was like, 
look I, at this picture, Bobby. Do you see anything inside? Now lead us to the boyfriend. I, I thought that, or also when he said, do you know a J? He probably immediately thought James, because I feel like he maybe was like, clearly they don't like James. That's true. <laughs> so I assumed that was like their first inclination, because she knew James. Yeah. But it could be both. Could it be like the There's bike? so many J's running around this town. I mean, could be so many people. Story of my <laughs> life. Bobby's not so bright. So... <laughs> And then we see James sitting by his bike alone, looking at the view. <laughs> Brooding <laughs> again. Brooding. Yes. And then the Norwegians are leaving. The Norwegians <laughs> are leaving. <laughs> I love this scene, too. <laughs> and Audrey is just delighted. She's like staring behind a post and just laughing with delight. But Ben Horn is upset. He's like yelling at everybody, you shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Which, uh, it's probably for the best, Ben, because you don't own that land anyway. <laughs> exactly. So then we go to the murder site. It's a train car. And there's lots of blood. We see a hammer. Mm. We see a mound of dirt with half of a friendship necklace on top. Which is like the least, it's like the most mundane thing, really. Mm-hmm. A friendship brace. I mean, Have necklace. a heart. Yeah. And at the base of the mound is a piece of newsprint with Fire walk with me scrawled on it. In blood. Yeah. Ooh, creepy, creepy. And the police want to know who has the other half of this necklace. And, and uh, we find out. James has it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, we see that immediately after. Um, so then we see Audrey and her mom eating while Johnny, Audrey's brother, is upstairs wearing a feathered headdress and beating his head on a dollhouse. And um, the nurse comes down to try to get Mama Horn to care, and she is annoyed and very upset, and it's just very like, I can't deal with this right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's kind of a sad scene. It is really, uh, it's telling. Yeah, very telling. I mean, we know where Audrey, we know why Audrey is so uh, messed up in her own way. (laughs) Yeah, wants to cause chaos. Yeah. So then we go to the bank. And at the bank, there is a dead deer head, or I didn't mean to say dead. I just meant to say a deer head, because <laughs> that's pretty obvious, on the table. <laughs> it's alive. <laughs> it fell off the wall, apparently. <laughs> so she was just like, oh, it fell. Yeah. I really like that little um, bank teller girl. I don't know. I tried to look her up and find out if she had been in anything else, but I couldn't figure out who she was in the gas list. And... Um, but she looks so familiar. I feel like she could be Megan Mullally. <laughs> in uh, Blue Velvet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they open Laura's safety deposit box, and inside they find a copy of Flesh World with Ronette Pulowski in it Ugh. circled. So creepy. And over $10,000, which is a lot, <laughs> even for now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take $10,000. Oh, any day, please. Um so is, I have a question. Yeah. So is yes, Flush... you over there with a question? <laughs> Raise hand. Flush World, is that like, so is it just like a listing of different, like, I'm assuming escorts? Or is it like a Playboy kind of thing? Uh, yeah, I think it's like, um, you can magazine. hire kind of like prostitutes or girls. Escorts, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if maybe there's pimps in there, too, because Leo's truck is in there. I don't know. It might just be all sorts oh. of various sundry things, mm-hmm. like black market type stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Because I was like, I found it so 
like if it was like a playboy or a hustler like i feel like it'd be pretty weird for a like 16 17 year old girl to just be listed yeah like as an ad <laughs> yeah i like very plainly and yeah. like you could definitely tell who she was yeah and so i was just curious yeah i don't think it's a playboy so much as a like a black like a little like um what would you call it just like a under the table listing mm-hmm. kind yeah. of thing yeah gotcha the best way to keep it under the table too is to publish it yeah it's probably canadian (laughs) (laughs) um okay so oh then we um go to the johnson house and we see leo is being very abusive about some cigarette butts and he's no good he's a no good nick every boyfriend in this show is garbage his hair is so permed in the (laughs) yeah (laughs) so girly he looks so young compared to like even the next episode he he makes i feel like the biggest dramatic change between the pilot and the first episode mm. <laughs> i mean not in personality but just visually in yeah <laughs> i was like i don't know like was it a choice to make all the teen boyfriends and i guess technically because i consider um is it is shelly right yeah i consider even though she's an adult to be a teen well she probably should like be 18 in high school or 19? i think she dropped out of high school to get married so i think she's oh, the same age oh. as bobby and laura yeah oh, okay i assumed that maybe she was like 19 or 20 or something like that just a little bit older um she's the same age okay well i don't know everyone's you know but she's dating a high school boy well i mean everyone's kind of fucked up and married (laughs) (laughs) exactly but i don't know i just i don't know why they all grow up a little too early in this town (laughs) yeah say everyone's just a garbage partner to their (laughs) girls the worst too for sure yeah um so then we see norma calling ed and she says she has to see him, and they make a plan to meet at the roadhouse. And Nadine is just in the window testing her drapes. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so far. Yeah, I love Nadine. I really do. I love her so much. Um, 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 um. Okay, so then we're at the town meeting, and Cooper's like, I saw a cottontail rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> and Truman's like, uh, it's probably a snowshoe. And he's like, <gasps> A snowshoe. <laughs> <laughs> He's so fascinated with I the know. wildlife. Of this he era. loves it so much. And it just makes him so charming. He'll be like, no nonsense. And then be like, oh, but I'm so delighted with the wildlife and the trees and, and the, the pie. <laughs> say cherry pie and coffee. And... Um, so then we have a scene where Harry basically like gives him the lowdown on everyone. And I was like thinking I should do this scene for our next mashup and try mm. to write it as if Jane Austen was giving the lowdown on everyone in town. That would be really oh, funny. Yeah. We'll see if I can actually get into her voice at some point before then. <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah, so he goes through Josie, the most beautiful woman in the state. Mm, in state. Um, ben Horn and the log lady, who we call the log lady. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then Cooper gets up and, um, well, first the mayor gets up and it's really funny. <laughs> He's ancient. Yeah. Uh, and then Cooper gets up and tells everybody about a previous murder, Teresa Banks. And he says there are irrefutable similarities. And he's like, by the way, the killer could be someone you know, but don't let it become a witch hunt. But they could be sitting right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> Not really sure. And he suggests a temporary curfew. And then we go to the Hayward house. And Mom Hayward is, I think her name's Eileen, maybe? Um, she's in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah, it is Eileen. Um, and Doc Hayward is telling her about the necklace they found. Mm-hmm. And he's telling her because he knows that Donna is wrapped up in this, and she's keeping secrets from the police. And 
Uh, Donna's on the stairs listening to the whole thing. <laughs> so she knows she has to sneak out because there's no way they're going to let her out. <laughs> um, so she goes in to see her sister, Harriet. <laughs> and I really love this scene. And I actually did my deep dive on Harriet. So oh, good. She cracks <laughs> we'll me up. We'll definitely get to her. Um, she wants to know which is better, the blossom of the evening or the full flower of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> but Donna is like, I, I need your help. <laughs> you have to cover for me. It's about Laura and, you know, Harriet agrees. And Donna says she needs to borrow her bike <laughs> and just jumps out the window. And at the end, Harriet's like, upon reflection, I like the full blossom of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> A little budding poet. Um, okay, so then Mike and Bobby show up at Donna's. Yeah, Ugh, yeah they're so, this scene, ugh, they're so horrible. Um, so Harriet sees us and she knows her goose is cooked. <laughs> Bobby is clearly drunk and he's like surfing, surfing on the hood. <laughs> but Mike assures Doc that, um, oh, don't worry about us driving. Bobby's doing most of the driving. He's clearly <laughs> the one under control. Um, so Doc goes up to see Harriet. <laughs> and I love this scene because it's just like so few words. But she's like, he wants to know what's go- where her sister is. And she goes, see that window? <laughs> and he goes, later. It's <laughs> <laughs> the way she did it. You know, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to tell it to you, and I'm going to tell it to you straight. You see that window? See that window? Later. It's like a perfect scene. Um, So good. So, yeah. So, Doc is worried. He goes, and he's like, Mike, do you know where she is? And I think immediately regrets telling him (laughs) because Mike seems real aggressive. And it's like, oh, well, I know. Yeah. Well, that's why I was like, he seems like a sensible dad who actually cares about his daughters. It's like, why would you, like let her date such a monster i know well he's not really a monster we'll see okay (laughs) well he acts like one. he's definitely horrible in this episode like the worst um okay so harry and cooper are staking out the roadhouse and they get a call that donna has sneaked out um and cooper says that he knew that she would lead him to that biker because cooper knows everything he's so smart yep um harry gets a call no, I just said that. <laughs> uh, Julie Cruz is singing Falling. Mm-hmm. Falling. <laughs> um, Norma and Ed are there talking about how they're going to leave their spouses. Mm-hmm. Hers, Hank, is in prison, we find out. Not a good sign. <laughs> oh, Norma. Yeah. And Cooper's whittling. <laughs> and he's like, do you know I'm whittling? <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what you do in a town where a yellow light still means slow down. Not speed up. Uh, Mike and Bobby show up, and um, the bikers take immediate notice. <laughs> and Donna shows up on her sister's bicycle, looking very young <laughs> on a little bike. Mm-hmm. And um, Cooper and um, Hank call. No, not Hank. Why did you just call Harry. him Hank? Harry. <laughs> Harry called for backup. Hank might have been a nickname. Uh, Hank, Hank is Norma's husband. Oh, that's right. I, yeah. That's where I'm getting it from. <laughs> so many names. Yeah, he calls for backup, and Coop gives him the old thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mike, in his most despicable moment this entire episode, episode 
yells at Donna. Grabs her. <laughs> he grabs her. It's horrible. Uh, Big Ed goes over to break it up, and he gets punched by Bobby. Unforgivable. I know. How dare you, Bobby? And a brawl starts, and Joey sneaks <laughs> Donna out. And the brawl, at first, you're like, how are they kicking all these bikers' asses? <laughs> There's, like, seven bikers, two douchebags. It's like and... they're stormtroopers. Yeah, but you know what? By the end, they're on the ground. <laughs> yep, finally. And I'm kind of pleased about that. Satisfying. <laughs> the bikers decided, maybe going one at a time is not the way to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you grab one arm, you grab the other. Um, okay, so... Uh, they sneak out and Cooper and Harry follow at a discreet distance and it's pretty discreet I'm like yeah you're, they, uh, they do too good a job really because they lose them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Cooper is just like I'm just happy that I get to smell these treats <laughs> <laughs> so we get to see Donna meet James she tells him about the necklace and that the police are looking for him and James tells Donna what happened last night which can, I mean, it's kind of crazy that last night, everyone's, this yeah. is all one day. This is all yeah. the day after she died. And he says that she was like a different person. She said, even Donna doesn't know me. And she also told him that Bobby killed a guy. Ugh. And then she jumped off the bike and screamed that she loved James and ran into the woods. And um, then Donna and James start smooching. <laughs> Yeah. They start she making just, out. She's yeah. <laughs> this is like passionately saying his name, James. James just saying it James. over. Oh, James. 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 Yeah. Apparently, this scene was one of those like freak weather days, and uh-huh. it got super, super, super cold, and so they were like freezing the whole time they were doing the scene, and they're like, yeah, really added to the performance. Seriously, <laughs> it's, it's actually a really, um, I feel like it's a really like a really well acted scene. Very Even intense. if she is, you know, whispering his name, and it's kind of like, okay, kids, <laughs> what, what's Little going Sophie. on here? <laughs> um, they're sorry, not sorry. Right. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> uh, we hear sirens, and then they decide to bury the necklace right there under a rock. And then they go off, and Cooper and Harry catch up to them. They pull them over and arrest James. And Donna's like, he didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. <laughs> She's just like, what are you doing? I have this whole thing memorized. <laughs> so um, at the station, Donna gets released to her father, and James gets taken to a cell, and Bobby and Mike are already in a cell. Where they belong. Yeah. James has this expression that we were trying to decide whether it was fear or just intensity of some sort. I feel like uh, he disapproves of how bobby probably treated laura oh, I'm sure. and i'm sure he hates bobby and mm-hmm. why not hates <laughs> the other one see i just think david lynch was like okay actor james marshall just look sad and that's what he did <laughs> you're probably was... right plus he's obscured by the bars yeah. it's kind of yes. hard to tell that's his sad look which is like a Intense. mixture of yeah james I go through so many emotions on him. <laughs> but I feel like in the pilot is some of his best work. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, where was I? Okay. Oh, so, uh, yeah, Doc is going to take Donna home, and he's very understanding. <laughs> he's like, you know, this there is one thing we have to do. 
go get your sister's bike. <laughs> and I heard you were supposed to put some air in that tire. <laughs> this is very like mix of like sixties like TV show like <laughs> oh dad yeah <laughs> and like uh like maybe a little seventh heaven ish. Well, you know I, I mean? wondered too if it was just like a way to underscore like Don is a good kid. Yeah, because you know? he did right. say like if you did this, you had to. I know you had a good reason for yeah. doing it. So yeah. I think it's just like yeah. And he says, um, we're so happy to have a daughter like you. Mm -hmm. And it's like such a sweet moment. And yeah, yeah, so not all the families are screwed up in this town. (laughs) Although, now that I'm remembering the very end. Okay. Um, Anyways. (laughs) Spoiler alert. I know. I'm just going to be so. (laughs) Everyone's a demon. (laughs) Stopping myself the whole time. So then, oh God, a policeman's dream. The scene that. Every time I've watched it ever in my entire life has made me want a donut. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we talked more about that scene than we did any other scene. That's say, my favorite scene say, oh, is the scene of the shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked no one picked that as their favorite scene, but oh okay. God. It was really my intention to get like at least a dozen donuts for us to eat today because Ugh. I knew we would want them. But of course I forgot until I saw the donuts again. I was like, ah, I need donuts. <laughs> It's a tragedy. Yeah. We'll pick some up on It's quite home. the mouth-watering table. Um, so apparently Lucy sets up this spread for them every night, and basically Cooper's like, I need a clean place, reasonably priced. And so he's looking for some hotel recommendations, and um, the Great Northern it is. <laughs> Harry knows. I can't believe that that place would have the most reasonable rate. Apparently you can get a good deal if you know Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and um, he walks off giving an update to Diane on his tape recorder. <laughs> Brilliant performance from Laura. <laughs> Brilliant. And then back to the cells, we see kind of a really, one of our most um, unreal, stepping into the unreal Little moments abstract. in the pilot. Bobby and Mike bark at James. <laughs> They're such losers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And we have this weird, like, close-up, slow-down, backwards, screaming, barking thing that goes on with Bobby's voice. So dipping in and out of reality, I think. Yeah. And um, then uh, Harry goes and um, meets Josie, his girlfriend, we can presume, because they're kissing it up. Mm-hmm. And in her fur. <laughs> yeah, in her fur. Uh, Catherine is spying on them, and she's... Giving Ben Horn the dirt over the phone. Mm-hmm. He's here again. Yeah. And then last scene, a Sarah Palmer is laying on the couch. And we Ugh. see someone walking through the woods. No. And as they reach down to unearth the necklace, Sarah screams. Ugh, so chilling. And that's oh when I was God. like, wait a minute, rewind? Did I miss something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and that's the end of... The Twin Peaks pilot. So good. It is so good. I love it. So for our deep dive for this week, I chose one of the more obscure characters because I love her. She's only in one scene. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much one scene. One scene. Um, she comes in in the first episode of the second season as well in one scene. Oh. But other than that, she's not in it at all. Um, it's Harriet Hayward, Donna's yeah. 
middle sister. Quintessential '90s teenage stuff. Oh my god, the hair. Middle sister on that area. <laughs> I feel like I definitely probably had that hairstyle at one point. Um, <laughs> she was played by Jessica Wallenfels, and she also was in a couple of movies. One called Dogfight and one called String Theory. But mm. she hasn't done too much. Okay. And I don't think she's done anything in a while. Um, the character, Harriet, she's the middle child of the Hayward family. They have one younger sister, Gerson. Or Gersten. Gersten. Who actually, um, she's more in the return than anything else. Huh. She, huh. She's also in that one other episode. She's played by Alicia. Oh, Wynn. right, yeah. right, 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 right. But she's not in this one. So Harriet is a poet. As we, <laughs> it's like her one characteristic we know about her. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a week after the pilot, um, which in the time of the show, which is the first episode of the second season, um, she comes in in a scene where Gersten is playing the piano and then she reads a poem about Laura. But we find out in the return that after high school, she studied at the University of Washington and she became a pediatrician, settling in wow. the Bellevue area, which good for you, yes. girl. <laughs> I feel like she probably turned out best in her whole family. Um, <laughs> so because there wasn't that much about her, I decided to ask Twitter what you all thought, what you think of Harriet. And I have never got so many responses on a Twitter thing. I mean, granted, I have a very small following. So <laughs> I was quite pleased, though. I mean, there were like maybe 30-some likes of the post, just mm -hmm. a picture of Harriet. And so I thought I'd read some of them. Um, I don't know if I should read the names. Oh, I'll just read the, their um, handle, like the ats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so, good. So at Chimp with Razor. <laughs> Chimp with a razor. <laughs> He said, or she, um, strangely, perfectly enough, I've literally just started rewatching the pilot. Love her, Harriet. Yes. It's all gold, but her scenes in this are some of my favorites. She seems totally tapped into the mood of the town, having a poet's soul, of course. Of course. It's very yeah. introspective. And um, at Beer Snob writes, at Beer Snob writes is his name. <laughs> <laughs> but he wrote, um, her lines are certainly the product of a writer with a love of language and humor. <laughs> yes. Um, at Basavasana, I don't know. I have <laughs> said, I have often wished there was more of her. I feel like that's kind of like a line a little bit from the mm. show. Um, yes. Anton Binder, magic. I'm not sure what. Okay. <laughs> this is why I can't read these things. I have no idea. Um, he wrote, now that some time has passed, I wish she'd been in season three. <laughs> <laughs> and we got, um, at queer, queer read NCL loved. I feel, I feel like her spirit was eventually trapped inside Wally Brando, who is a character in oh, the return, which I thought yeah. was, yeah, definitely for sure. <laughs> oh. Um, at JCTRLDL, I don't know. <laughs> Um, highly memorable. Wish Lynch had used her more. Thumbs up on the choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at Gary Cotier, did she remember to brush her teeth? <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> Don't forget. And then um, Amanda du Dugan, or Duggan Amanda, 
said, the fact that she has a pillow with swell gal embroidered on it <laughs> won Aww. me over instantly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just pleased to see that other people find her as memorable as I do. I know she's one that I have quoted her like three lines from that <laughs> episode so many times. <laughs> I'm pretty sure people have called you a swell gal before. I would take it as a compliment. <laughs> you are a swell gal. Oh, thanks. Shucks. <laughs> but I also write down the poem that she reads about Laura. I mean, it could be, I guess, a spoiler, but it's not really a spoiler. So I thought I'd read that. It was Laura, and I saw her glowing. In the dark woods, I saw her smiling. We were crying, and I saw her laughing. In our sadness, I saw her dancing. It was Laura, living in my dreams. It was Laura, the glow of my life. Her smile was to say, it was all right to cry. The woods was our sadness. The dance was her calling. It was Laura, and she came to kiss me goodbye. Aww. Isn't that pretty? Mm, so sweet. She's got a real poet soul. Yes. So, for sorting her, <laughs> I thought, okay, first I thought Pisces. It seemed like the obvious one for a poet. You know, mm-hmm. and I even found a um, uh, article called "The Five Most Poetic Zodiac Signs" <laughs> <laughs> from a site called YourTango.com, um, and it said, besides being poetic, Pisces have an artistic soul. They're more in touch with their inner self than most signs. Pisces have their own way of looking at the world, and it's a poetic perspective. But because of her future medical career, mm-hmm. I thought. Maybe she could have been more of a cancer. Okay. Because cancers are the mothers of the Zodiac, and they feel things very deeply. And they also don't try to hide their emotions, and they're able to express them easily. They're aware of their creative potential and how to develop it. Cancer individuals have a special connection to nature, and that this inspires their poetic part of their personality. And so she's, you know, talking about, um, blossoms and flowers mm-hmm. but then I also thought maybe <laughs> she could be a Virgo because I thought you know Virgos are really studious and you to get through medical school you have to be especially to studious be. so maybe um, it wasn't really listed as a poetic sign but I did find a couple of poets who were Virgos um, it is a mutable earth sign so I feel like a mutable signs are probably the most poetic I don't know mm-hmm. um because it allows them to see the whole picture as well as the small things. And, um, yeah, so I don't know. Which 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 do you think? Cancer, Pisces, Virgo? I like Cancer the best. Yeah? I do. I feel like that's a good one for a pediatrician, you know? Yeah. Because I, I feel like also, like, you know, even with, like, the more studious side, you also have to be, like, really, to be a pediatrician, you have to be... Really caring. Really caring yeah. on an emotional level to connect with children. Yeah. I love that we got to know that, that she became a pediatrician. I know. That's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah. And then for um, Harry Potter, I thought Ravenclaw again. Yeah. I mean, for a couple yeah. reasons. Yeah. 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 I would say Ravenclaw is the best bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, Cancer Ravenclaw for Harriet Hayward. <laughs> Write us in and let us know if you agree or what you think her sign is. Yes. Next, um, our final thoughts mm-hmm. on the Twin Peaks pilot. Lord. Who wants to go first? Um, I can go first. You go. 
My final thoughts. Um, obviously, <laughs> I loved it. Uh, I thought it was so... It was entertaining from beginning to end. Like, didn't know where it was going to go. Super, like, the soapy part of it made me laugh. Uh, and then, like, the traumatic parts make you think. And I don't know. I just really loved it. I'm excited for the rest of the season. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. What about you, Josh? What's your final thoughts? Oh, I just think it's such a perfect setup to watching the rest of it. And they've created such great characters that you want to come back and see what they're going to do. I mean, Dale Cooper is one of the best characters ever written. But then you have, you know, (laughs) so many tertiary characters that are amazing, like the log lady. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they really all, all are. So you've gotten enough of a taste of everything to really, I think, draw you back. So it's just, uh, I'm actually excited to uh, watch it all again too. Cause yeah. I have, I've been really wanting to watch the return again, but I wanted to go back and watch the original yeah. one. So that, yeah, that we'll definitely exciting. have to have you back on for more um, episodes for sure. Oh, I mean, I'm busy yes. that day. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Of course we always want you on. Um, and I guess for my final thoughts, how can I wrap up my thoughts on Twin Peaks in any sort of, semblance of meaningful <laughs> conversation. I love Twin Peaks. It's the first love of my life. And I'm so, 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 so excited. As we were watching it today, I realized how much I love watching Twin Peaks with other people. Like mm-hmm. I've watched it so many times myself alone, but I've also watched it so many times with other people because I've introduced so many people to, <laughs> to Twin Peaks, you know, like you have to watch this with me. And, um, you know, there's just something so great about watching it. And I want to encourage everybody out there to follow along with us and write us in and tell us what your thoughts are on Twin mm-hmm. Peaks. We, we want to hear from you. Yes. Um, <laughs> I do want to add for my final thought. Yeah. Um, the first time I ever watched this, I <laughs> always thought that the actor who played Harry Truman was the same actor from The Nanny who played <laughs> Mr. Sheffield. I thought they were the exact same person because they looked so much alike. Well, they're not. Oh. But it was another like funny little thing. I don't know what else Michael Onkin was in. Uh, there was... I just had him pull Maybe a couple up. of 80s or yeah, 90s. I think he did a couple of movies, but I don't... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's Slap kind of crazy that... Slapshot? I don't know what that I feel like it's kind of crazy that Twin Peaks was such a huge phenomenon. I mean, it was so mm-hmm. popular for mm-hmm. its one bright, shining moment. But I don't feel like a lot of the people from the cast really got a lot of work out of it afterwards. I mean, I mean, of course, a lot of them went on to do stuff, but it's almost like it was hard for them immediately after Twin Peaks to move on, yeah. which I don't think would be like that today. No. I, I think like we're able would... to separate people from their characters a little better, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe... Well, also, I wonder if nowadays there'd be a little more tolerance for the craziness that is Twin oh, Peaks. Oh, for sure. You know? Well, if Twin Peaks hadn't burst, breaking through that barrier. Right. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's just so much, and I'm sure we'll have so much more to say as we go through. I mean, there's 48 episodes of Twin Peaks total, so that's a lot. Yeah. That's like almost a year's worth. Is that including the return? That's including the return. Wow. Plus, there's Firewalk with me, which is like a three-hour movie. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, there's at least a year's worth of material on Twin Peaks alone. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm so excited. Me too. <laughs> to I'm start on this. Very <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, I'll go first this week. 
I would like to recommend a video game. Oh. I love this this series of games, and they're very Twin Peaks-esque to me because I personally really love a good point-and-click adventure game. Mm-hmm. But these are particularly weird and freaky and a little gross. Um, not gross, gross. Like, it's all, like, hand-drawn, you know, but it just, it's weird. Uh-huh. Um, but the series is called... Um, it's by Rusty Lake. Some of them are called Rusty Lake. Some of them called The Cube. And they all have, like, there's The Cube Paradox, Rusty Lake Hotel or something. There's a bunch of them. A lot of them are free. The ones that aren't free are usually, like, $2 or something. But they oh, just wow. recently came out with their most recent one called The White Door. And, um, yeah, that one was pretty cool. So, and I don't think there's any, you don't have to play them in any sort of order because, they're all kind of telling the same story from mm-hmm. a different way. Um, yeah, it's The White Door, Rusty Lake. Definitely, if you're into like that kind of game at all, it's it took me a couple days to finish. But yeah, plus it's got a lot of replayability because there's a lot of achievements and stuff that you can go back and find. So definitely check that one out. Awesome. All right, my recommendation for this week is going to be the Hulu show Shrill. Starring mm. Edie Bryant from SNL. I've been meaning to watch that one, too. It just came back for season two, and I it's even better than the first season. I think it's super funny, super heartwarming, and it just, like, a feel... It makes you feel good show. And, like, um, my one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite character, um, Ruthie, is played by comedian Patty Harrison. Oh, and you love her. <laughs> I, I love her from her own podcast that yeah. she does, um, but she is so funny in this show (laughs) she is so off the wall so weird so like just you never know what's gonna come out of her mouth and it's like (laughs) it could be like the most mundane line but the way she says it it just is so crazy and so funny so you should watch it yeah i I definitely want to watch that i love Adie bryant she's great yeah she's so funny (laughs) i love it i'm definitely gonna check that one out yeah what's yours oh mine um well it's coming back this Friday on HBO, so I'm not sure when the podcast airs, but it'll be after that. Yeah, um, so it will have started, but is the new season of High Maintenance, uh, which is one of my favorite little shows. I started watching it when it was just a web series, and they did a That's few about seasons. A guy who sells pot. Yeah, it's okay. they're all um, individual, you know, episodes. Um, there's some you know storylines yeah. that thread throughout throughout, but. Um, but generally speaking, each episode is its own different thing, a lot of times different styles. and um, But it's all centered around this character called The Guy, who is a <laughs> weed delivery guy in New York City by bike. Nice. And it's just, you know, his interactions with, with people. But it's so well done. It's so well written. It's just, you know, every episode is different and just fun to watch. And I'm so excited it's back. I had forgotten about that show. I think I listened to a podcast with maybe somebody in it or the maker or creator of it or something. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, oh, I should watch that. But I'm glad you reminded me. Oh, I'll have you to check that absolutely out. absolutely should. It's so good. <laughs> so good. But start from the beginning. Of course. Yes. It's a very I, good You know, I'm a completionist. Start. I can't start <laughs> not from the beginning. Um, and if you want to get in contact with us. Yes. Our Gmail is managedmadness at gmail.com. Twitter is at managedmadness. Instagram is at managedmadnesspod. 
And our website is mannersatbadness.com. Yes. And please, 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 please write in. <laughs> um, next week, we're doing another check-in. Um, we're going to you know, talk about Persuasion and Mansfield Park and Twin Peaks Pilot. And then we're going to tell you what's coming next because we're going to start like a three-month journey, four-month journey of Twin Peaks and uh, Northanger Abbey. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be super cool. And we hope you will all join us for that. Um, but tune in next week to the check-in. And um, if you have any mashups or um, uh, fanfic or theories or just opinions to share, please write us. We'd love to hear from you. And um, is there anything else? Um, I don't think so. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and come back next week for the check-in. Yes. Yeah, see you then. Good night. <laughs>